0: The production of this program is made possible thanks to the support of the following and viewers like you. In 1996, Dr. Julio Montaner hosted the Vancouver International AIDS Conference and at the same time shared the heart antiretroviral treatment he and a team of committed scientists was pioneering in Vancouver. Since then, he has gone on to propose the concept of treatment as prevention. Dr. Montana was the first person to advocate for the expansion of heart coverage to curb the impact on the HIV-AIDS pandemic to one, decrease progression to AIDS and death. Dr. Montana says, though, it's more than that. The antiretroviral treatment is also decreasing HIV transmission, so effective have been Dr. Montaner's efforts, the treatment as prevention has been implemented with great success in BC, and it has progressively been embraced in countries around the world. And in 2015, it was fully incorporated into the World Health Organization's consolidated ARV guidelines. I invited Dr. Julio Montaner to join me for a conversations that matter about HIV AIDS, where we are at in treatment, where we need to go, and what are the roadblocks that still need to be removed? Dr. Mantener, welcome.
1: Thank you, Stu, it's a pleasure to be here with you again.
0: You know, uh, this show is airing just a couple of days after World's Aid, World AIDS Day. When you look at it now versus all of this remarkable work that you did back in the mid-1990s, are you uh, happy with where we're at, or are you disappointed?
1: Um. You know, I'm a bit of a restless person, Uh, so uh, um, uh, I'm always looking for the next uh, improvement that we can bring to bear against the epidemic and the many things that are related to it, uh, so that uh, my wife, Dorothy, often makes fun of me because every time I reach a a peak, I can see the next peak in front of me, and I am not happy that we are uh, not quite there yet. Uh, and as it happens in health, uh, and in particular in the area that we're involved with, uh, which relates to a whole lot of people who for many, many years and decades and centuries have been mar- marginalized and neglected, uh, uh, ostracized and the like, um, there is no end to this job. And so uh, as we uh, see the beginning of the end of the AIDS epidemic in British Columbia, I worry that we're not quite there in Canada, and I'm worried that they're not quite there even close in other jurisdictions around the world. And at the end of the day, um, you cannot fix an epidemic in in one locale if you don't fix the epidemic at large. And so, um, yes, it's one of those those things. I'm I'm very proud of our successes, but. but I won't rest on my laurels until uh, the game is over. Well, let's talk about how
0: successful we have been in BC, because Mm -hmm. the HIV AIDS uh, ward at uh, St. Paul's has been shut down. Um, Mm -hmm. That's a sign of success.
1: Oh, absolutely. Look, uh, um, we are uh, in the midst of uh, sort of celebrating, if you want to use that word, uh, remembering uh, our, uh, past uh, challenges and successes uh, in the context of the World AIDS Day. So I think it's quite appropriate that I take a moment to uh, thank uh, not just my patients and the many, many, many clients that participated in our work and contributed with their suffering, because that, there is no better way to say it, uh, for us to be able to learn and ultimately find a way forward, uh, which is something that we uh, arrived at with, again, great success, uh, but as I often said to my colleagues and, and friends, um, you know, a scientific success uh, is one thing. But what we have been able to do is actually translate that into public policy and implement it to show that this can actually be transformational uh, at the at the individual, at the family, and at the society level, with a huge return on the investment. Uh, so that today everybody agrees that these strategies are life-saving. Uh, Oh, the, additionally, they prevent new infections. But in, furthermore, and equally important or more important, uh, they have a positive return on the investment so that uh, over a period of a decade or so, we actually save money. Uh, I remember uh, when I first came to uh, Gordon Campbell, when he was the premier with the idea of uh, of doing just this, and uh, I started showing a few slides. Um, he had a very strong uh, sensitivity to the HIV Problem because of his African experience, and within minutes he grabbed the stuff from my hands and he says, "Julio, with your brains and my money, we're going to end the HIV/AIDS in the province." And uh, and I'm, I'm I'm all I'm saying is that. Nobody ever hesitated to support our program since that moment on, uh, uh, no matter the stripe of the government. Uh, uh, That's because in British Columbia, we have had the fortune of being able to work together with the government to ensure that everybody knew the significance of what we're doing, not just for us, but for the rest of the country and for the rest of the world. i got to get you to hang on for a second while we take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back.
0: The production of this program is made possible thanks to the support of the following and viewers like you. When I first interviewed you about where we were at seven or eight years ago, you weren't quite at the point where you were willing to openly state uh, that the treatment, the antiretroviral treatment, would uh, not only stop the graduation from HIV to AIDS, but you weren't quite willing to say it now looks like it will uh, reduce the likelihood of transmission. Things changed, didn't they?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, in 1996, we had the privilege of, uh, through our research and uh, that of others, uh, collectively contribute to the discovery of highly active antiretroviral therapy, which you refer to as hard yes. as the moniker that we used to refer to it. Um, that was life-saving for a whole generation of people uh, living with HIV. We, we typically tell our friends, colleagues, patients, uh, you know, those that made it to 1996, even by the skinny of their teeth, right. uh, they had a huge chance to benefit from this discovery. Not everybody, not all the time, but the, the chance was there. Eventually, uh, newly infected people that arrived later, uh, today they are alive and leading a normal life. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, uh, you know, they had to take treatment, and uh, it, it's a it's a burden nonetheless, and it has uh, a variety of other social and uh, uh, other annotations and i respect that but but if you look at the 80s and the 90s and you look at the 2000s and thereafter everything changed We in British Columbia, because we had the unique opportunity to have a centralized program, and so I'm at the top of a pyramid of people that are looking at this issue on an ongoing basis, I, I have had the chance to monitor the impact of our programs very carefully all along. And very early on, by 2003, 2004, I saw a signal that... Despite the fact that people were not dying with HIV at the rate that they were, so more people were living with HIV, uh, and despite the fact that sexually transmitted infections in the province were going up, many of them among men who sex with men, who at that time were the the main demographic that, that was affected by HIV, the number of new infections after we brought treatment to the people in the form of heart actually declined. Um, So, when we adjusted the denominator, namely the number of people living with HIV, uh, and we uh, only considered those that were living with HIV not on treatment, the ratio between the people living with HIV and the new infections remained constant all along. Meaning that people that were taking treatment were being subtracted from what we call in an infectious disease parlors, so don't please misunderstand this name, the the, the nomenclature, uh, but we, we basically said we are distracting people who are potential donors of HIV from the community. In other words, the treatment was rendering them no longer infectious. In 2006, right. that was regarded as um, Um, A bold statement? (laughs) Unthinkable. Uh, All the way to the United Nations, uh, I received messages, be careful, this is dangerous statement, you're medicalizing prevention. Everybody was very concerned that this could have a number of uh, potential adverse outcomes. So we did the research, we continued. That's why back in the day, a number of years ago, uh, I had to be very careful how to position the strategy. But by 2010, uh, we were, absolutely convinced that this was the way to go. And uh, our data demonstrated that was the case. And uh, and today, uh, British Columbia has had approximately a 90% decrease in AIDS cases, a greater than 90% decrease in mortality from AIDS, but we also have a 90% decrease in the number of new infections per year. Uh, uh, We don't have the number yet for this year, but we estimate that it's going to be in the low 100, Mm -hmm. uh, which is actually clearly uh, an order of magnitude less than what we used to see on a yearly basis back at the peak of the epidemic. So the strategy is extremely solid. It works in the north, it works in the south. The problem is that we need the political will to ensure that this is optimally applied in every jurisdiction so we can end this epidemic and then move on to other things. So I looked up on
0: NIH, National Institute of Health, they're embracing what you uh, are doing and yet we don't have universal acceptance in this country.
1: Well, Why? <laughs> yeah, um, so to the credit of the Trudeau administration, uh, uh, Justin Trudeau, when he was a candidate, came around my office uh, you know, as part of his meeting people around the country. Uh, and he wanted to be debriefed on uh, HIV-related matters and, and the like. Uh, we have met before, so uh, that was a very natural uh, effort at the time. Uh, a lot of my colleagues uh, had a bit of a smile and said, yeah, you're wasting time meeting with Justin. He's third in the polls. Mm-hmm. I said, listen, I work with whoever wants to work with me. That's my policy. <laughs> it's always been my policy. Lo and behold, after the meeting, uh, uh, the now premier, uh, then a candidate, prime minister, you mean? <laughs> yeah, sorry, prime minister. Uh, he uh, he wrote me a Uh, a saying, uh, if uh, uh, we were to form government, we're going to embrace your strategy. By that time, we had created a a new sort of target, uh, the 90-90-90 target, which is simply a matter of putting uh, specific numbers to the strategy. Um, It's not an issue at the moment. But anyway, so he said, uh, we we will do that. And that's significant because uh, that had been approved by the United Nations as the global roadmap to control HIV AIDS. Uh, and Canada had not yet approved it in 2015. So post-election, Jane Philpott, uh, then the Minister of Health, a wonderful woman, uh, uh, even before we ever met, uh, she adopted the 1990. 90 and then wrote me a letter indicating that she had done so based on our work. And of course we met and we started working together on all of these. So. The government has done their part to the extent that uh, they can implement the policy, they secured $1.2 billion to support the strategy through the Global Fund, which we asked for, so we're very grateful for that. The, the problem in Canada, or the beauty in Canada, it doesn't matter, I mean, you mm-hmm. can look at it either way, is that health is a provincial jurisdiction. Right. And <laughs> so while I've been very Fortunate, blessed, uh, and effective, because I cannot deny that as well. In engaging with political uh, uh, policymakers, uh, uh, the government, whoever, at every possible level, uh, all the time, to ensure that they understand the significance of what we're trying to do. Uh, I'm trying to share my passion and my mm-hmm. drive to get this to the to the to the finish line. Um, across the country, the priorities are set by the government of the day. And, um, and, and because we had the worst epidemic in the country when we started all of this work, and there was very little desire <laughs> among my colleagues or everybody else to do this work, uh, it was reasonably easy for us to concentrate all of that work at St. Paul's. In fact, people were delighted that we were willing to pick it up because then they didn't have to get involved. Um, in the rest of the country, um, they didn't have that fortune. And so what happens HIV-AIDS becomes the domain of uh, infectious disease practitioners and the like. And I'm not being critical of them, except to say that uh, by the nature of their practice, uh, they look after people as the people come to them. And the secret of our success is that we, we feel there is a shared responsibility Uh, to implement these programs because they are very important for you if you are infected with HIV. They are very important for your family, uh, whatever your family looks like. But they are also very important for society and for the province at large. And if we were to sort of replicate that approach that we programmatically feel the responsibility to go and engage with people in need, wherever they are, uh, whatever the circumstances, then this could be successful everywhere. The problem is that the populations that require that kind of approach have in intricacies, uh, MSM, sex men, commercial sex workers, injection drug users, that are not very palatable to the spectrum of uh, political thinkers that we have in our society. And so sometimes it's very difficult uh, to make people understand that they had to leave their prejudices aside and do this because it's the right thing for those that need it, for their families and for our families.
0: This is our second break. We'll be back in a moment. The production of this program is made possible thanks to the support of the following and viewers like you. So is prejudice then still the biggest barrier for us getting this treatment uh, that will help people directly but indirectly, as you pointed out, help society as a whole?
1: Uh, prejudice is at the center of all of this. Uh, uh, even though people don't want to recognize it, uh, look, I don't want to get too political, but a, a political leader that I will not name, uh, days ago, uh, came out with a very strong statement from the downtown side, arguing that safer drug supply is a problem, not a solution. Now. We've been involved in pioneering safer drug supply so that we can save the lives of people uh, who use drugs uh, and who are dying at uh, disproportional rates uh, from the toxic drug supply that's in our midst. Uh, In our safer drug supply program, uh, and we have about 500 people involved at the present time in the supervised consumption site and 200 people on safer drug supply, uh, we have had uh, X number of overdoses zero fatalities. Why? Because either they use in a supervised consumption site or they're using safer drugs that actually, if used appropriately, they may have issues, but they don't kill you. And you know, uh, a, a dead patient of mine doesn't help me. Uh, that's not the goal. And so I'm happy to say that even people in in this individual uh, spectrum, political spectrum, uh, have actually been very critical of uh, what he said very quickly so that there was no need for us to jump onto the discussion. But the reality is that this is not evidence-based. This is uh, based on uh, sentiments that are not applicable to our society. We're, we're supposed to be a compassionate, caring, and mutually supportive society. And we, sh- we, if we're going to be successful, we need to meet people where they are at, uh, and provide them the, the services that they need, uh, and move along the continuous services with them at their pace. So coming back to where uh, we are, Uh,
0: not just nationally, but globally in addressing uh, HIV AIDS. Is it still uh, safe to say that globally HIV AIDS is a pandemic? Absolutely.
1: Uh, uh, Regrettably, even though we have the tools to end the uh, HIV AIDS as a pandemic by uh, 2030, and a number of jurisdictions, including BC, uh, uh, have uh, already achieved that goal, well, let's be clear. It doesn't mean that we have eradicated HIV. People are living with HIV, normal lives, and the treatment. Uh, but what we're seeing is that the epidemic circumstances of the disease have changed. the The burden of disease that is being generated is a fraction of what it used to be. So the epidemic nature of the disease is no longer valid in British Columbia. Unfortunately, it continues to be the case around the world. And and you know, the problem is that. We came up with the notion of criminal prevention in 2006, the same year that, or shortly before, the recession hit. So it was very convenient for leaders around the world to say, yeah, yeah, it's very nice that you figure it out. But you know what? We don't have the resources. So if you look at the global investment on HIV-AIDS control, uh, it actually goes up Globally, but it plateaus as after 2006, and it has virtually been flat. So what we've been doing is been been doing mm-hmm. we've been doing more with 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 basically the same amount. The problem is that the strategy is incredibly valuable, uh, but but it's a bit like uh, paying your mortgage. Um, uh, you if you go too cheap on your down payment, uh, you're going to be paying your mortgage for a very long time. Why? Because they uh, the the the, the uh, um, Accumulated the, interest, the yeah. Accumulated interest is going to kill <laughs> you. Yeah. Uh, well, HIV is the same thing. You have a volume of people infected with HIV. That's the, the mortgage, if you want. The down payment is how many people you can treat at once very, cl- very quickly so that you, you, you solve their medical problem, but you render them virologically undetectable so that they're virologically not able to transmit the virus. The, the larger that, that that investment that you make up front, the sooner your epidemic starts to come down and it will take a, a decade, a two, three, a generation uh, for your epidemic to extinguish. The problem is that if BC does that and Alberta and Manitoba, uh, they don't, uh, then the, the virus is going to cross the border because there is no borders when it comes to the virus. and so. Our desire to do this globally is altruistic, but it's also self-serving. Mm. Uh, we are going to be more successful if we can do it all together. And unfortunately, it's not quite, we're not quite there yet. Third and final break. We'll be right back.
0: The production of this program is made possible thanks to the support of the following and viewers like you. Where is the area that needs the greatest amount of attention right now? Is it still leadership. Africa?
1: Oh, uh, leadership. leadership. I was kind of thinking ge- 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 geographically, know, it, but no, I oh, think okay. it's political leadership across the country. For example, if you look at uh, the current uh, rate of incidence in British Columbia, it's approximately two per, per 100,000 individuals. It's 25 for uh, Saskatchewan. It's mm. about uh, uh 10 or so, uh, the number, that we had to check it, but 10 or so for uh, Manitoba um, is just below that for Quebec. Uh, Ontario is a little bit lower, but still. Uh, and those are the provinces that are contributing the largest burden of HIV to the national average. So, right. so when you look at, at the impact that BC's optimal control of HIV has had on the national statistics, well, it basically means that uh, statistics have been flat. BC is going down like a stone, and we're grateful for that, but the country has no move. Why? Mm-hmm. Because unfortunately, there are regions that are out of control. Uh, and that doesn't make me happy, uh, and it should make nobody happy. So
0: Well, it shouldn't be happening in Canada. No, I, I can't help but think, okay, but there's got to be uh, other geographical regions that have similar challenges. At one time, you focused on addressing HIV-AIDS in Africa with the Clinton Foundation.
1: Was that, that a is, success? That is correct. So, so we have had successes uh, 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 around the world. Malawi has been a success. There are uh, successes in, in various regions of the world. But, but the point is that the failures are, by far, uh, the heavy burden that we carry at the present time. Okay. Yeah, because, okay. because it doesn't matter how, how successful you are in any small jurisdiction. My position is that proves the point that the strategy works and if brought to scale is actually going to bring an end to the epidemic as we know it. Uh, The question is, can we afford not to do that? And my position is no, we can't.
0: No, I don't think we can. Um, Because uh, I, I keep thinking about the contributions that every individual can make in their life. And if we're not giving them the opportunity to realize their full
1: potential, we all lose. Right. Uh-huh. And, and, and more importantly, uh, again, bringing it up to the current situation in, uh, in, in BC and in Canada, um, the lesson that we derive from this is that there is no such a thing as a stable epidemic. The epidemics are either disappearing or getting worse. Uh, this applies to every epidemic, uh, including COVID and the like. And when we don't do an optimal job of dealing with an epidemic, what we do is actually handicap our healthcare system. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you are seeing that today, uh, RSV and COVID and uh, influenza converging in pediatric cases and soon in the rest of us. Uh, uh, Is that a surprise? No, it's not. Uh, uh, And we have not dealt optimally with COVID yet. And failing to do that, well, it adds further burden to our healthcare system. Healthcare sustainability is is my middle name. I want to be sure that uh, the the healthcare system that I fell in love in 1981, when I came to this country, is healthy and remains healthy beyond my life The problem is that if we continue to leave these incompletely addressed assignments, uh, whether it's COVID or tuberculosis or syphilis or uh, flu or RSV, then there are many of these, Uh, then we are, Unable to explain why the system is not working. Well, it's not working because we're doing everything halfway. And and, and, and then the system pays for it.
0: Well, I believe that we have all have a responsibility to uh, shine uh, the spotlight on um, you know the work that you're doing and what your initiative is because the more people care about this, the more likely we are to have positive action. Thank, Thank you still. very much for your time. Today. Thank you. I appreciate it.